0: Ramble.
1: audible now free for 30 days visit audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 that's audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 to try audible free for 30 days
0: we're live <laughs> we're here with our host stephanie sue <laughs> yes the most famous murder podcaster stephanie sue wait, wait am i a murderer
1: or a podcaster
0: <laughs> with uh co-host yes mr mingle here you coming to you to live India? front our living room.
1: Yeah, it's it's a vibe here. Okay, listen. I this has never happened to me before, not once, not ever in the history of I want to say the past 3 years that I've been just so absorbed into this true crime world ever since I started those YouTube videos all about true crime. It's been about 3 years and this has never happened not once. But I think I definitely was putting a lot of pressure on myself with this podcast this week because I really wanted to cover the case of Jeffrey Dahmer. Now, I mean, some people know him as like the Milwaukee cannibal, the Milwaukee monster. What's a
0: Milwaukee?
1: Milwaukee. That's a place in Wisconsin, you idiot. he said so so what's up what's up Milwaukee is that like how you walk like that (laughs) is that a new TikTok dance
0: oh walkie talkie
1: (laughs) okay excuse my mans (laughs) this has never happened to me before which is the fact that I I think I really was putting a lot of pressure on this week's podcast because you guys have been requesting this case for quite some time now and I mean I mean this is a story everybody's familiar with Jeffrey Dahmer it's the Jeffrey Dahmer like I'm not saying that in a respectful way or in a way of admiration but he's really notorious he's well known he's kind of like Ted Bundy I mean I would say he's up there in notoriety so I just felt like you know what could I provide you that you haven't maybe already heard before right how can I make it interesting for you, if you already know the story. And so I was just overconsumed. I mean, I pretty much watched about, I want to say like four different documentaries. I read like four different write ups. I went on to Reddit. I mean, I just went into my hole looking for things that I was like, maybe they don't know this. Maybe they don't know this. Maybe I can talk about this, right?
0: Did you learn something new yourself?
1: Yeah, I did. But you know, that's the crazy thing. I think I was thinking so much about Jeffrey Dahmer. That, for the first time in the past three years of me doing true crime, he showed up in my fucking dream. <laughs> 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 He fucking showed up in my dream (laughs) Like
0: (laughs) A nightmare or a good one
1: It was a nightmare So here's the thing with Jeffrey Dahmer I mean you guys know the story 17 victims And they're all young men or boys So, So really when you think about it He's really not one of those serial killers That I would really research And just be so scared I'm not looking over my shoulder First of all he has passed And the way that he passed Is just intense right It was another inmate who kills him anyways Continuing on right What Yeah so you have this man who is a predator towards other men so i mean technically this is much less scary for me to research than like the ted bundy's of the world where it's just them targeting women right so you would think you would think i'd be okay in my dream but he shows up in my dream and i remember like we were living with a bunch of people and someone had let him in and they were like oh he's like out on parole and I was like, what? <laughs> what? And then I remember they were like telling me, like, don't worry about it. He's not going to hurt you. You're not his type. It's OK. And then I was like having a conversation with him. And then he went into a different room and then I got really freaked out. And I was like, is anybody keeping tabs on this Jeffrey Dahmer dude? You know, and then he ended up leaving the house. And I went on like this rampage of making sure all of the windows and the doors were locked. Mm -hmm. And then I tell my fiance about like, oh, Jeffrey Dahmer showed up in my dream, right? Mm -hmm. And then he was like, you know, dreams are the opposite. And I was like, what? And then he's like trying to make me feel better. So he's like, so that means you showed up in Jeffrey Dahmer's dream. (laughs) I'm like, okay, that's, (laughs) that's, (laughs) um, (laughs) and then he's like, but you know what I mean? Like, it's the opposite in dreams. So like, you're never going to meet Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm like, he's dead, babe. He's dead. First of all. (laughs) It's just um, him trying to help me out. It just didn't work. Thank you, though.
0: But I want to say, though, I have no idea who Jeffrey Dahmer is.
1: Are you kidding me?
0: No idea.
1: Who are you? What is wrong with you? Okay. I mean, my
0: knowledge of true crime all came from you. So if you haven't talked about it, Mm -hmm. then I have no idea about it. Let's hear it What do What's... you mean
1: you don't spend your entire life Just watching and reading and researching crime? <laughs> it gets really wild So if you guys don't know about Jeffrey Dahmer Like my fiance You guys might know him as the serial killer Who injected acid into people's brains While they were alive Because that's kind of something that he's known for He's known for I mean, well, he's known for a lot of things what? He's known for necrophilia There's, you know, cannibalism in today's podcast There's a lot of just <laughs> it gets wild. So let's get started with Jeffrey Dahmer's childhood. Now, I mean, it's a little bit strange because of how big of a sexual predator Jeffrey Dahmer was. He really did not endure a lot of sexual abuse at all. I mean, if any. So there's there's really no evidence there's no claim and Jeffrey was really really open about everything which is kind of crazy like most serial killer cases you don't have just a plethora of information so he had interviews where he was so transparent you had his dad who wrote a book on their history I mean there's just so much to unpack here so let's get straight into where he was born So his dad's name is Lionel, and his mom's name is Joyce. And Jeffrey Dahmer would be the first of two sons in this family. They were born in Wisconsin. Now, he he had a very interesting family life when he was young. So Lyle now the dad, he was getting a chemistry degree at college. So he was really busy being a student. He was really busy trying to get them good grades, you know, get a bag or two. So he just was doing a lot. Now the mom, she was a teletype machine instructor, but she was going through a lot of mental health issues. So mm. she was a hypochondriac, which means that she believes that pretty much any symptom she feels is leading to a much greater life-threatening disease. So for us, would be like, oh no, it's okay. Like we just have a cold but she'd be like no i know for a fact this is this rare disease she goes to the doctor and they say well we ran the test we ran the diagnostics you don't have what you think that you have right Mm -hmm. she would still be like nah i'm pretty sure i do
0: so it's more like more of a mental disease than
1: yeah yeah for sure and she was depressed she had heavy amounts of anxiety so she really wasn't maybe i don't want to say she was a bad mom but she wasn't the best mom that she could be because she just had a lot going on inside her own self right Mm -hmm. so jeff gets born and unlike every other serial killer that we talk about like we just talked about Ed Gein on last week's podcast and he was just a recluse right Jeff was exuberant he was curious he was so freaking outgoing as a little baby like he'd be two years old just fucking running around like I want to touch this I want to touch that like just being such a cute baby and so it just was a little bit strange now four years old comes around and some shit starts to go down so the first thing is that with his curiosity came his curiosity for animals I know I know okay I know everyone's ears just like opened up like oh my god he's gonna rip one right he's gonna kill one right now at four years old holy shit no like the curiosity again still seemed really innocent so when he's really young his dad takes him under the house because under the house they have like this crawl space right and they have a lot of dead animals there
0: Well, when I say a lot, I mean
1: like small dead animals. So maybe they put like pesticide and then there's like rats who ate the rat poison, you know, and they ended up skeletonizing over time. They're just like little small animal bones under the house. So the dad's like, let me teach you a little lesson on just like the evolution of life and like how life is created and bones and shit. I mean, I really don't know what he was trying to teach him, but I'm sure it was something really intelligent because he's a chemistry major. So he brings little Jeffrey under the house and he brings a bucket. So he's like, oh, look at this bone. And he click into the bucket. He's like, Oh Jeff, look at this bone. And he clink into the bucket. And Jeffrey Dahmer was like, that fucking clinking noise, I don't know why. He just loved it. And his dad remembered like he just had this like just eyes of crazy wonder with that clinking noise. Just the noise? Yeah, just like of the bones, of the noise. He seemed so Fascinated. Now, his dad, being a chemistry major, he's thinking like, oh, my God, he's going to be a veterinarian. You know, he's thinking all these things. He's like, this is really good. Right. Mm -hmm. So he gets a little bit fascinated with animals since that point. Now, there's a lot of different sources that say a lot of different things. So at this point forward, I mean, I don't really know what to say. I can only go off my personal what I feel like happened. Right. But I can't say 100 percent. So there are sources out there that say that he was severely neglected as an infant, meaning he was Was fed he was properly clothed he Was always washed he was never abused But he was never shown heavy Amounts of attention like an infant should be Shown he was never shown like heavy Amounts of like come here like we're gonna play this little puzzle Together right Mm -hmm. it was just they Did the bare necessity to keep them Alive and well fed Mm -hmm. And then the other claim is that his parents Actually loved him a lot and they Just doted on him like they were just you Know watching his every move making sure everything Was okay with Jeffrey and I Think the truth obviously lies probably somewhere in the middle and
0: so just like a regular parents
1: yeah but i think maybe more so on the attention deprivation because his mom because of all of the issues that she had she spent a lot of time in bed mm-hmm. she wasn't really attentive to her son and she was known to be kind of greedy for attention she was kind of known to be greedy especially with lionel so he'd get back from class and she would just be like no me 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 let mm. me talk about my day like forget the kid me 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 Mm. And it just was a lot and she was known to be very argumentative So she would get into these fights with Lionel all the time She would get into fights with her neighbors like she would just get into fights with everyone And when jeffrey was a young kid, she attempts suicide for the first time Since he was born and she does it with something called equinole, which is like this minor tranquilizer Now thankfully it was not a successful suicide and she ended up I feel like those are really bad words to say it she thankfully ended up living right mm-hmm. she survived yeah Jeffrey did say that he was really miserable at home he said that he was unhappy in the house because the parents were always fighting so he didn't like it the I mean the house was always tense because the mom and dad were yelling at each other but again like this all sounds so eerie and creepy because he's a serial killer but at the same time how many houses do you think right now are just parents fighting in front of their kids like I grew up and I watched my parents fight you know yeah, yeah. there was lots of tense arguments now at four years old he under Goes a double hernia surgery, and that's when people kind of say he started withdrawing from people. So, when he was young, he was so curious, he loved everyone, he wanted to talk to people, he wanted to be active. And then at four, he has the surgery, and it's like, boom, completely different person afterwards. He was just very shy, very timid, not outgoing anymore, not curious, just really wanted to keep to himself. Which I mean, again, I don't know. So, we recently did a case not too long ago where we talked about um, another killer. And he had spent, I want to say like a week in the hospital when he was one. And I mean, that's when people say he snapped too, which is all very weird. So you're saying
0: that this changed his personality because he was lack of love? so that traumatized the baby
1: yeah so a lot of people say maybe when you're young and you go to a hospital and you have to stay admitted in this hospital maybe there is this feeling of isolation Mm. maybe there's a feeling of just trauma and like not being in a familiar environment or maybe it's just all of the things combined but people did notice that that was something that happened and he just became somebody else so Hmm. lionel ends up graduating and he gets a phd and they decide to relocate their family from wisconsin to ohio now they move around a couple times in ohio and They finally settle down in this house that has a two-acre lot. So it's just hella woods, okay? Now, it's about an hour south of Cleveland, if you guys are interested. And Jeff was seven at the time of this move. And he had just He had just gotten weirder They said You know his dad Just kind of described him As shy Socially awkward Uncomfortable Almost like a what? inferiority complex Like he didn't seem To have really strong Self esteem Is what his dad noted He just observed this Even his teacher said It seems like He's being neglected At home I mean I don't think That he's being abused But she had noted In her reports That it seemed like He was maybe feeling Neglected from The mom's illnesses hmm. So there d- seemed to be something that jeffrey was holding dear to him probably so the parents decided to give him a dog by the name of frisky Frisky's going he's not gonna die okay i know everyone's like oh my god frisky <laughs> frisky's not gonna die but other animals will so frisky he loved that dog frisky i mean jeff was only excited and happy around the dog some family members and just like a neighborhood buddy of his like that was it like even when he was in elementary school he still made good friends
0: what kind of dog is it? I,
1: I saw a picture. It looked kinda mixed. Oh. Yeah. Why? Okay.
0: Nothing. I just wanna see a picture in my mind, you know? Oh.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're just really just envisioning Jeffrey Dahmer holding a dog right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's when the parents decide maybe Jeffrey needs to feel involved. Maybe he needs to feel valued. Maybe that's how he gets outside more. So when Joyce falls pregnant with their second son, they say, Hey, Jeffrey do you want to pick the name? So he says, yeah, like, that'd be great. So he chooses the name David for his younger brother. Now, the parents try really, really hard to get Jeffrey to not be so antisocial because he was just becoming more and more withdrawn and more and more to himself. And it was really alarming the parents. So they started enrolling Jeff in, like, tons of activities for kids. Like, there's literally a video of him boating around, like, with other kids. Like, you know, those tiny little boats that, like, propel, like, as a bike,
0: like he's like fucking
1: doing mm-hmm. that shit with like a bunch of little boys. So it seemed like he had a really nice childhood. <laughs> he would spend the weekends with his dad. They would plant gardens in the backyard. They would raise sheep for competitions. I don't know what that means. Okay. And Jeff was kind of close to his dad. Um, he would make his dad these handmade cards and they would have poems on them. One of his poems specifically said the squash and pumpkins can never compare to the dad who has curly hair. This poem is from jeff and i love you to death He doesn't kill his dad, by the way. I know my fiance's eyebrows are like going all the way up like, oh, he loves him to death. (laughs) What does that mean? So, yeah.
0: Foreshadow.
1: Foreshadowing. So Jeffrey turns 10 and his mom is hospitalized for anxiety. And that's when the marriage really just starts crumbling. Like it was already going bad. It was already too much. It was already tense. I mean, the fights were violent. The fights were aggressive. They were loud. They were all over the house. But I mean, this is just... One of those moments where it's just falling apart. And so when they would fight, he would go outside into the woods and he would pick up these big sticks and he would just start beating the shit out of the trees. Mm. Like he would just be so mad and he would sulk in the woods and just beat these trees. And he says, you know, he was mad at his dad because his dad always considered him to be shy. But he wasn't shy. He said he just hated being in the house because the parents were always fighting. It's just a little bit weird. Mm. And when you see interviews with the parents, it's very strange because Lionel, I don't know why I can't say his name, the dad even admits in a book called The Father's Story Later Uh that he had dreams about murdering people. And then Jeffrey Dahmer ended up murdering people. So he wonders, I mean, he doesn't know what that means. He doesn't know if he unwillingly and, you know, had passed something down whether it was genetics whether it was the way that he taught something he doesn't know
0: i mean it sounds like there's gotta be something in his genetic no
1: i don't think so because i feel like most murders oh well actually
0: right like you got a born a certain way
1: because he does have he was diagnosed with a lot of things which i think some of them are genetic Mm. That usually you Not all the time But usually are passed down Through okay. genes So maybe it is that But yeah. I mean I don't know the, A lot of psychologists said That that has no correlation Even Jeffrey Dahmer himself Was like no I hate when people Blame my parents For what I did right But it's just very interesting To note that his dad Had fantasies of He just loved Playing with fire He loved the look of fire He was bullied a lot When he was young So he fantasized And dreamt about Murdering his bullies Hmm. So he said he was relatively violent as a kid And he kind of outgrew it But it seems maybe Jeffrey Dahmer never did Okay. okay. so that's when the animals start happening. So at first, Jeffrey Dahmer goes around and he starts collecting these large insects. So I'm talking dragonflies, butterflies. He'd put them into these little mason jars and he'd be like, look, I've got a dragonfly. And then he starts getting more curious and he's like, but what does it look like on the inside? That was his big thing. He just wanted to know what things looked like on the inside. Oh, my God. How terrifying is that statement? And so he said it all started when in class they had this pig dissection, right? And that's when it just, like, sparked this inside of him. And they open up this pig. Yeah, back in the day, it was a different curriculum. But, you know, I had to dissect a, f- a frog.
0: Yeah, I think everybody does, no?
1: And then there was <laughs> a worm. But I don't think so anymore. You think they still do that? To the frog? Yeah. You think they're still going around dissecting frogs?
0: Um... I I don't know, let's ask people, yeah?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So before we get into the frog topic or the pig topic, I do want to say something. I mean, I'm trying to say this as nice and optimistic as possible. After listening to all of these podcasts, we can definitely say everyone's different. Everyone has different needs, different preferences, different skin, different hair. <laughs> you didn't even think it was gonna lead to hair, did you? <laughs> if you guys don't know, everyone's hair is different. I mean, that's why if your friend is like, hey, listen, I just bought this new shampoo from the drugstore, go get it. And you go get it and you try it on and you just spent, I don't know, $15 on it and you realize, holy cow, this sucks. It's because you are different. You're not like the other girls. You're special. So you should treat your hair with the same kind of love and care that you deserve. Function of Beauty is the shampoo and conditioner and now body wash and body lotion because they have it that I have been dying for for like the past Oh my gosh, I've been using their shampoo and conditioner for like two years now And my fiance uses it It's a specialized hair care that is formulated specifically for you They create your shampoo, conditioner, and your hair treatments To fit your unique needs How unique? Ask me how unique How unique? They have over 54 trillion possible ingredient combinations fifty four trillion 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 here's how it works okay so you take a quiz but it's it's really quick but it's very thorough and you tell them a little bit about your hair then their team determines the right blend of ingredients and then they'll bottle your custom formula to your order and they'll deliver it straight to your door you can even customize the color the fragrance you can even print your name on it because gone are those days that your roommate that your fiance that your family steals your customized shampoo and conditioner and their formulas are vegan cruelty free they never use sulfates parabens or other harmful ingredients which by the way your hair will notice a difference function of beauty is not just the first ever custom hair care brand it's the internet's top rated so if you guys don't believe me then believe the other forty thousand people who gave them five star reviews go to functionofbeauty.com rotten to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20 percent on your first order that's functionofbeauty.com slash rotten for 20% off
0: thank you function of beauty for sponsoring today's video
1: (laughs) i'm losing my brain cells watching listening to you just repeat that phrase five times in a row just now i don't know if i'm gonna keep all of these in he just said function of beauty like 10 times so back to the pigs. <laughs> after he dissected them in class with everyone, he decided to take a pig home and he just kept the skeleton after a biology class. And then he slowly starts graduating to cats and dogs. Now, just like every serial killer out there, he's a crafty mother forker. So instead of going out and killing all these cats and killing all these dogs, and I wonder if anything has to do with the fact that he even had a family pet. Maybe he didn't want to kill them. I don't really know. But he ends up searching for roadkill. So sometimes he'd go out with his friends. They would literally around and they'd find dead dog they'd find you know a dead squirrel a dead abc and d that had been hit by a car run over and they would bring it back into his backyard and they would just start dissecting him it was mainly him i mean the other two they just kind of like went around for the ride but he would just start ripping them apart honestly he would cut them down the middle he would decapitate them he would skin them he would just feel all of their organs put them in his hands and feel what they feel like it was just so strange one of his friends later told people that he said I just want to see how the animals fit together like where does what organ go where does this bone go and I'm like have you ever heard of a textbook you know so he starts just dissecting these roadkill animals one point he brings home the corpse of a dog the carcass i guess it's not a corpse of a dog and he decapitates it now he puts the decapitated head of that dog onto a wooden stake next to like this wooden cross that they have in their backyard and then he nails the rest of the body of the dog to a tree
0: so does the family know about this
1: it seems like they find out later. And it's just... its Again, it's so weird because the dad was saying, you know, this sounds like the beginning of a great taxidermy career. But instead, he just goes like a completely different way. So yeah. I think it would have been a lot more alarming if he was going around killing these animals. But because yeah. he was collecting roadkill, I think if they did know, they probably kind of turned a blind eye. Yeah. Now, the mom claims that she had no idea. And she said that if she had an idea, then none of this would have happened, right? Because she would have tried to get help. But it just... It's weird. He would put them in mason jars like organs into like these mason jars and he would try to preserve them. He would try to preserve a bunch of bones and it just was a lot. So one day they're having a chicken dinner like a rotisserie chicken dinner with the whole family. And Jeffrey looks up from his dinner and he looks at his dad and he says, Dad, what would happen if I put chicken bones into bleach? now Lionel at the time he was so freaking excited he was like this is my chance to shine like my kid is finally interested in something that I major in like this could oh. all be about chemistry this is wow for a young boy to be asking questions like this instead of being like dad like let's go do this right it's just wow what an intellectual and he starts getting so excited and he's like let me show you little young boy so he brings Jeffrey over and he shows them how to safely bleach and preserve animal bones
0: So bleach is part of the...
1: Process. So he just kind of like puts it into bleach, I guess, for a certain amount of time. I mean, I don't really know if the FBI is listening. I don't know... I don't know how to do any of that. <laughs> okay. So high school comes around and he becomes just an outcast. I feel so like what this, is So what yeah. is
0: his fascination about just collecting bones?
1: He doesn't even know. Uh, so I saw this like two hour long interview while he was in prison after everything. Okay. And he says that there's just a part of him that like wants to keep these things.
0: Mm, it's like the collecting. Collectibles. Yeah.
1: And later he tries to make like an altar out of skulls of real people.
0: Huh. Okay,
1: yeah, so high school this is when everything kind of starts more like a regular serial killer story So he becomes an outcast in high school by the time that he's like 15 years old. He's already drinking beer He's already drinking liquor and he's drinking it at school Like he would literally pour it into a flask put it tuck it into his little jacket Roll up to school and start taking swigs of that at 8 in the morning And Damn. one of his classmates was like that smells very odd So she looks at him and she's like what is, what is that and he's like it's my medicine so it seemed like he was addicted to alcohol at a very young age now the staff at this high school They say you know he was pretty polite like at first when he first started as a freshman He was highly intellectual, but he had average grades But like the teachers could tell that it wasn't just about the grades like the teachers could tell that he was very smart He mm-hmm. just didn't try at school He briefly played on the tennis team and he was part of the high school band at one point point. And this is also around the time when he starts realizing holy shit. I'm gay. You know, I'm only attracted to men I don't have of these fantasies or this yearning to be around you know girls my age i don't Mm want to date them i don't want to ask them to prom Mm -hmm. and he decides he doesn't want to tell his parents Mm -hmm. so this was a different time back then and even today it's so difficult to come out i can only imagine right but back then it was a lot harder and his parents were constantly fighting like why would he feel comfortable in his home to finally you know finally be like hey guys I'm gay, you know? Yeah. So he didn't. Now, his early teens, he had a brief relationship with another teenage boy. It's said that they didn't have any intercourse, but it just kind of kick-started everything a little bit more. Then he starts getting these really intense fantasies, and he still doesn't know where they've come from, even after all of his crimes when he was interviewed. He doesn't know where it really originated, which is the fact that he wants to dominate a completely submissive male partner. He wants complete control. He likes this idea of Of laying down next to an unconscious man. Like not even having sex with that man. Just laying down. Just
0: domination.
1: Yeah, like they're just (sighs) unconscious.
0: Huh, okay. Which is
1: such a strange thing, right?
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: it's strange, but it's not that strange, right? I mean, like we can still kind of be like, oh, I mean, it's not that crazy, right? Christian Grey type shit but it just was yeah that's just his thing so he sees this male jogger that's always jogging on the same route every single day and he's like holy fork that male jogger is so attractive and he starts getting this fantasy of like I want to make that jogger unconscious so that I have complete control over that jogger's body now here's another very interesting thing about Jeffrey Dahmer is the fact that he was really really particular about his victims he only went after attractive lean muscular men Hmm. like he was like it doesn't matter what race it doesn't matter anything they just have to be attractive like he was attracted to anyone that was attractive that was a male got it like young muscular right and so he hides in the bushes with a baseball bat and he's waiting for the jogger to run by this was high school yeah so he's waiting he's waiting and the jogger doesn't jog that day (sighs) And so this was his first appen- attempt to attack someone. And he was like, I'm not going to try it again. Like, I'm just going to let the jogger jog. Okay. Uh. Which is very interesting. Right. And when he was asked in an interview, he said around 14 to 15 years old when he was just lost. Like there was nothing his parents could do to kind of reel him back in from these crazy fantasies he was having. So he starts fantasizing about killing people around this age. Killing and particularly dismembering so it seems like he's more into dismembering than killing but you also have to remember that Jeffrey Dahmer is not a sadist so he's not gonna dismember you while you're alive because he actually doesn't want to hear you scream in pain he doesn't want you to feel complete torture
0: like sometimes I just wonder what happened you have a room just throw all the serial killers in there
1: do you think they'd kill each other
0: right I wonder what the fuck is going to happen. You know those people, they throw a yeah. bunch of random bucks into a box.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen those videos? <laughs> yeah, or the uh, psychologist who put three people oh, together yeah. who all believed that they were the prophet.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
1: like, they try to see what happened.
0: Yeah, I would love to see, like, st- all these serial killers. See oh, who comes out, you know? I
1: mean, they definitely, like, they, someone's going to die, right? There's no way that they're just going to, like, sit there and just share stories. <laughs> <laughs> they, they start a podcast, <laughs> right? So he starts fantasizing about dismembering people, and he was kind of traumatized by these fantasies. So again, it's so weird. So he has this fantasy, and he's like, "Oh my god, what what is this disgusting thought that I'm having? This is mm-hmm. nasty." And when he was young, he didn't really embrace these thoughts. He was like, "This is gross. What's wrong with me?" And he became really ashamed to the point where he starts drinking all the time like just every single day eight in the morning he's taken shots of whiskey Mm. so jeffrey said he never knows where it came from i mean therapists even after all of these crimes they studied him and they said you know maybe it's this maybe it's this but nobody has given him a concrete answer of why he wants to dismember people Mm. so even though he was kind of a recluse and he didn't have all these friends he was kind of a class clown like he staged a bunch of pranks so his favorite one was to pretend that he was having an epileptic seizure or that he had some other disease and they actually called it doing a Dahmer at school. Like imagine how much these kids are probably traumatized after they grew up and found out, oh my God, remember when we used to say doing a Dahmer? Mm-hmm. Well, um, turns out... <laughs> So he would pretend like there'd be a hurricane drill. Like you would just see this random dude running through the hallways being like, hurricane drill. And it was Jeffrey Dahmer. So again, it's just so confusing. Like, is he shy? Is he awkward? Is he an outcast? Or is he, you know, does he have a personality? Maybe he's too scared to show. I mean, he was obsessed with having a bizarre, unexpected type of laugh from people. So he would even go to the mall. And all of his classmates, I guess they gather at the mall on the weekends. So he went out to a lady who was giving away these like sunflower seeds. So he's like, can I get some? Can I get some? And he was very polite. You know, he's Mm -hmm. always polite to adults. And then he shoved a bunch in his mouth. And then he ran around the mall screaming, spitting out sunflower seed one at a time, screaming, I'm allergic. I'm allergic. Hmm. And it was called doing a Dahmer. One time they went on a field trip to Washington, D.C. And somehow he was able to get the call, like the phone number of the executive office of the vice president and said, hey, my high school is here to like learn some shit in Washington, D.C. We're from Wisconsin. Can we meet the vice president? And he was able to get the whole class in to have a private meeting with the vice president at the time. So he just, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. He is such a strange dude. Huh. But not in just like the regular strange way. Like truly just, I can't really wrap my head around it.
0: Yeah.
1: But then he was also just a drunk outcast. So we don't really know. Is he
0: doing these for other people's attention and like laughter, praise? What is it, right?
1: It seems like it, but it doesn't seem like he lives on it. It doesn't seem like he is like yearning for the next time he makes someone laugh, you know, Mm, I see. he just like did some bizarre shit (laughs) and people thought it was funny whether he was doing that bizarre shit because he genuinely didn't think it was funny and everyone perceived it to be funny Mm -hmm. or if he just was like, whatever, I feel good today. So I'm going to do this weird joke. I see. So it was called doing a Dahmer. And then everything starts falling apart. Okay. So it's great. Stop dropping. They hire a tutor. It doesn't work. He has no friends. He's closed off. And his parents, they tried couples counseling. That doesn't work. And then Lionel finds out that Joyce had a brief affair. So the parents end up getting divorced. Now Lionel immediately moves out of the family home into a motel. That's about five miles away. And Joyce, she ends up taking David, her youngest son, and moves away to Wisconsin. (laughs) And okay. she doesn't tell Lionel. She doesn't tell anybody. She just ups and leaves. Now, Jeffrey, who's 18, had just recently graduated high school. He's just left alone at the family home. Oh. Like, Joyce and David up and leave. And Lionel has no idea that they even left. Lionel has no idea that Jeffrey is home alone. He's just there. <laughs>
0: yeah, But he's 18.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's 18. But it just was... I'm sure that it had probably had hurt his ego. Like, his feelings of, like, why did my... <laughs> So that, at that point The divorce gets finalized um, Joyce was given Sole custody over David Jeffrey obviously Wasn't in the picture Because he's over 18 uh-huh. And she was given Alimony payments Now three weeks After graduation Is when Jeffrey Dahmer Commits his first murder At 18 years old So he's completely Home alone fantasies. And this is when All of his fantasies Start just becoming So uh-huh. insane in his head It's just nonstop. He's completely isolated He has no friends He's just thinking About killing people And that's when He's driving around And he sees this hitchhiker by the name of Stephen Hicks And he's about 19 years old And he was trying to go to like a rock concert So he's hitchhiking to get there So he's like, okay, get in the car uh-huh. Now, Jeffrey later, he even tells people like, I wanted everything to just not stop the car, but I couldn't. I had to do it. Everything was lining up because he had even fantasized about killing a hitchhiker, like just laying next to an unconscious hitchhiker. So he lures him into the house for drinking. He hasn't really planned the murder yet. He just really wants to um like have control over him sexually Mm. so they start drinking a lot of alcohol they start drinking and listening to music and after a couple hours steven is like you know it's been cool dude but i kind of want to (laughs) go like i wanted to hitchhike not hang out with you for the rest of my life so if that's cool with you like let's just hit the road Uh now jeffrey didn't want him to go so he felt the only thing that he could do was be like hey just wait a minute before we head out and he went and grabbed a 10 pound dumbbell and Struck him from behind while Stephen was just sitting in a chair. Okay. And then he used the bar of that dumbbell to strangle him to death. Uh He stripped Stephen of all of his clothes once he was dead. And he stood next to the corpse Uh and just masturbated. Which again, like there's just such this intense want of Jeffrey to have control over unconscious or dead bodies Hmm. like he sees them as objects and not as people he doesn't want them to move he doesn't want them to say anything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he just wants them to lay dead
0: interesting which
1: like did they not have sex dolls back in the day
0: probably not
1: damn (laughs) So then the next day, he completely dissects the body in the basement. He buries Stephen's body in a shallow grave. And then weeks later, he will go back and dig up that body, separate the flesh from the bone. Oof. Yeah. And then he will dissolve the flesh in acid and then flush down Stephen's flesh into a toilet.
0: So what is he doing? He's taking, he wants to preserve the bones.
1: Yeah so he has all the bones And at first he doesn't He's not really about preservation At first he's about disposal So his first murder He actually grabs a sledgehammer And he starts crushing up the bones And he puts Mm. them into like these trash bags And he dumps them into his car And he starts driving late at night To a local dump site Mm -hmm. That's when he gets pulled over by the police Because he was drifting across like the lane lines And they literally pull him over And they're like where are you going this late And he's like the dump site And they're like what's in those trash bags Uh And he's like listen My parents are getting divorced and I just like I wanted to declutter the house. I just felt like it'd be nice to just get away from the house right now at this time and go to the dump site. So he's like, "Okay, well, you get a ticket for driving weird, but have a good day. Ah. And so he drives Jeffrey Dahmer drives back home and stashes the bones into under the house area. Right. And then he goes back later and he just scatters them across the woods.
0: Huh? okay so he completely disposed the body
1: yeah completely by wow. dissolving in acid and flushing down the toilet now six weeks after his first murder his dad returns home with a new fiance and that's when he discovers that Jeffrey is at home he's like what the fork like where's your mom like where's David and why aren't you with them like you've just been here for the past six weeks like why did nobody tell me this like what have you been doing for the six packs weeks and he's like oh it's fine dad like it's nothing now his dad realizes that he's just drinking his life away so he's like okay you graduated high school like now what like now what are we gonna do so he starts Putting a lot of pressure for him to go to Ohio State University. He's like, You need to go to college. You need to get a degree. Come on. So he's like, You need a major in business. You're going to be good at business, Jeffrey. I believe in you. So he goes to Ohio State University, and the entire time he just drinks his way through the three months that he was there. He would even sell his blood to these plasma centers so that he could be able to pay for the alcohol that he was consuming on a daily basis. And <laughs> business, my booty bits, his best grade is in ohio state university was a b minus in riflery which is the practice of shooting rifles which i didn't know that that's like a class you can take but i also didn't know if like is that something you need for business (laughs) so that was his best grade and his gpa was a 0.45 out of a 4.0 a 0.45 so he was just really failing and his dad had even paid for the next semester but he dropped out within three months so he goes back home to live with his dad and his soon-to-be stepmom and he's like hey guys um i'm back and he just starts drinking again and his dad is like jesus christ like you can't do this you need to do something with your life so he's like you know what you should do you should do what all the other boys do go join the army woohoo Mm -hmm. So he's like, whatever. I mean, I don't really care. Like he had a very passive approach. It didn't seem like he had any crazy ambitions in life. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't like, no dad, I'm not going to do that because I want to do this. Right. He was just like, okay, whatever. So he joins the army and he gets trained as a medical specialist. And that's when he learns heavily about human anatomy heavily. And he was based in San San Antonio, Texas. And he was really happy there. It seemed like he was the happiest he'd been in so long. Like, people said he almost reminded them of baby Jeffrey. Like, just kind of outgoing, kind Mm -hmm. of carefree. Seems like he was finding himself. And then, boom, they said, sorry, you gotta leave Texas because we're gonna be stationing you in West Germany. You're going overseas, boo-boo. And um, yeah, that's when everything fell apart. So he was considered an average Maybe slightly above average soldier In Texas which is pretty good You know yeah um, but in West Germany just a lot of shit went down so At the time they didn't know this but He he had raped two people In the army, he had raped two fellow soldiers in the army. One of them came out in 2010, I believe. So one of them said, listen, I was raped by Jeffrey Dahmer over 17 months in West Germany. Like he would constantly like drug me, you know, rape me. And it happened for a really long time. And then the second person said that we were in a tank and he drugged me and he raped me.
0: In a tank?
1: Yeah. And so it seems like maybe his superiors didn't know. But I also don't know because I've heard a lot of crazy stuff about armies having like their own little ecosystem of like judge, jury and everything. Right. And they are really good at suppressing shit. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But apparently his superiors never knew. And they said it was his alcohol issue. And so they gave him an honorable discharge. So they said, you're just not a match, but it was not a dishonorable discharge. It was an honorable one. They said, we're just not meant for each other. It's not you. It's me.
0: Wait, when was this? After he went to Germany?
1: Yeah, in Germany is when, you know, his alcoholism started getting really bad again. So in Texas, he was doing great. But when he was stationed in West Germany, it just all fell apart. The allegations of the rape, you know, was mm. all when he was in Germany. We okay. don't know if it came out during the time, but that was in Germany. Okay. So he was honorably discharged and he felt like he just couldn't face his dad. So he was like, I'm not going back to freaking Ohio. Send me to Miami, Florida. Because when you get honorably discharged, they get you, like, a ticket anywhere in the U.S. Uh, So he's like, fucking Miami, dude. (laughs) Which, okay, I do want to mention, if you guys have a weak stomach, please keep in mind that this story is going to be heavy on cannibalism later on. And I was reading this Reddit thread, and it's a really, really intense one. Just, um, It's supposed to be, like, for true crime people who really like dark jokes. And the running joke is that Jeffrey Dahmer is a horrendous chef okay because he's a cannibal i mean that's supposed to be the butt of the joke right but i will tell you something i am not a horrendous chef because i use green chef <laughs> i don't even know why companies work with me <laughs> i'm like do they know what kind of weird segues i do sir so if you guys what don't is a
0: green chef? <laughs> let
1: me tell you about green chef it's a usda certified organic company that makes eating well easy And affordable with plans to fit every single lifestyle. So it doesn't matter if you guys are keto they've got a keto plan. Maybe you're paleo. Maybe you want to be plant powered. Or maybe you're like, listen, I'm all about that balance. That's exactly what Green Chef does. So it lets you choose from a wide array of easy to follow lifestyle recipes with select organic ingredients. And then they get shipped to your house with these recipes that are just so easy to follow. Like they're quick. They're step-by-step instructions. They've got these little chef tips in there that are super helpful. They've got photos to guide you along because I am a visual person. Everything is handpicked and delivered right to your door. The ingredients are pre-measured. Do you know how many times I've messed up a recipe because they're like two tablespoons and I'm like, I'm gonna do four. (laughs) It's perfectly portioned and it's pretty much mostly prepped. My mom actually has taken a liking into Green Chef because it kind of fulfills that want of like seeing those ingredients go in, seeing those fresh ingredients go in and then you make this delicious meal without all the stress of like measuring everything out, going to the grocery store yourself. It's just so easy and it's really nice to discover new recipes every single week. You can switch up a meal plan whenever. So you're like, I'm keto today, but I'm plant-based tomorrow. You can do whatever you want. They've got a wide variety of high-quality, clean ingredients that you can feel really, really good about. It's also the most sustainable meal kit, um, offsetting about 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box. So let Green Chef do the meal planning, the grocery shopping, and most of the prep work for you week after week so that you can just feel like a little chef in that kitchen make sure to check out green chef and use code rotten 80 to get 80 dollars off your first month Plus free shipping on your first box. So go to greenchef.com slash rotten 80 to redeem and you can get more details there. So then he moves to Florida and he gets a job at a local deli and he starts renting this room at a local motel. Now he gets this money from the deli and then he immediately spends it on alcohol. So he's going to get kicked out of that motel because he's just not paying for the fees. So he's like, you know what? When in Miami? So he starts sleeping on the beach. So every night he will sleep on the beach, wake up, go work at the deli, spend all all of his money on alcohol and then go sleep at the beach again and this is where it gets crazy like you would think that there'd be a tipping point like maybe he's like okay i need to get like a i need to do a 180 on my life what am i doing with my life like it's a midlife quarter life crisis but no his tipping point is that he is terrified of rats and one night while he's laying on the beach a huge rat just crawled all over his chest and he freaks the fuck <laughs> out this what? serial killer freaks the fuck out and he's like uh-uh not today so he calls his dad and he. He's like, daddy, I need to go back to Ohio. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He was like, dad, can you send me money? And the dad was like, no, um, you're going to come back to Ohio. So he said, OK. So he goes back to Ohio and he moves in with his dad and his new stepmom. And he just becomes just a drunk. Like he just drinks and drinks and drinks. He gets arrested for drunken disorderly con- uh, conduct. His dad tries to fix him. It's just not working. So he's like, you know what? there's one person you love. The one person he loved was his grandma in Wisconsin. There's just something about his grandma. Jeffrey just showed her so much affection, had so much respect for her. So they were like, go live with your fucking grandma because we can't handle this anymore. So Mm -hmm. at first, when he's living in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with his grandma, everything's great. He's doing the chores. He's going to church. He even gets a job as a phlebotomist, which is the person that like injects you with needles like a flu shop. They're like a phlebotomist. So Uh he's like poking people. People and shit so he's like this is great so he starts making some money and then he gets arrested again for indecent exposure because he decides to go to a park just lollygagging at a park and there's a group of 25 women and children and for some reason he felt so compelled to just get butt naked and he was like look at my wee wee
0: what in the world yes
1: yeah, so he gets arrested for indecent exposure which actually did you know it's a problem in south korea from what i know they're called pabari men which is just dudes in trench coats, but they're completely butt naked underneath, and they'll go to a woman and they'll just boom.
0: What show did they you get? What did they get out of this?
1: They like the fear and shock. They Oof, want to hear the girls scream.
0: That is so. So psych. at
1: first it's funny, but then later you're like wow that's really psychotic (laughs) yeah yeah so then after 10 months he gets laid off from his job as a phlebotomist i mean i don't really know if anything about the indecent exposure had to do with it but he just became unemployed for the next two years so for the next two years his grandma gives him all of his allowance he's just immediately buying alcohol from it and then finally after two years of that he gets a job at a chocolate factory
0: why what's wrong i with don't that?
1: know it's just ruining my vision of chocolate <laughs> factory he's like willy waka is so cute and then it's like jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> So he would work the overnight shift at this chocolate factory, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. as a chocolate mixer. And he goes to a library on one of his off days. And that's when a man passes him a note. And the note is just like, hey, do you want me to give you head? (laughs) Like it was just the man. (laughs) Yeah, it was just the man asking Jeffrey if he wanted to receive fellatio from the man. And Jeffrey did not accept the proposal. He was like, no, thank you. Like he did not do anything with that guy. But then it kind of just like sparked this flame. Inside of him, he's like, You know, I am gay and I should go experience that. So he starts going to gay bars, he starts going to gay bathhouses. So, the way that a bathhouse works, which I didn't really know, but I can kind of equate to it as like a steam room, like a sauna, like mm-hmm. kind of like a chimjil bag, right? But they have gay bathhouses, which is you have to be male to enter, uh-huh. and you usually typically buy like a membership, so it's kind of like a gym. And they have these private rooms inside. They have saunas. They have pools inside, uh-huh. and it's not a brothel. So you're not going there to pay people for sex. And they also the workers are not sex workers. Uh-huh. It's just a a place where you can meet people. Socially, yeah. So it's kind of like a hotel, but. Kind of, right? Mm. Like it's a social place, right? Mm. And so he would go to these gay bookstores as well and from one of these gay bookstores he ends up stealing a male mannequin that was in the window How and he do you starts steal that That's what I I had the same question like I was like, does he just like put a jacket on it and then just like put his arm over it and like start talking to him like, oh, my God, let's get out of here, Steve. Like, how does that work? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's exactly how we do it. So he stole the male mannequin and stuffed him in his closet and he would just masturbate on it. And he loved the idea that the male mannequin would just like sit there like lifeless. and just take it but i mean it's weird because he's still doing all the work like he's masturbating it's not like sex i don't know so his grandma eventually finds it makes him throw it out so then he mainly goes to these bathhouses, and he said it was a relaxing place and every time he went he said i'm looking for the best looking guys in here because he only likes hot dudes right so he gets really upset when people move during sex incredibly upset if you moan you move Your butt itches, oh, Jeffrey doesn't like that, okay? He doesn't like that. He wants you to just be motionless, pretend to be dead.
0: So, wait, 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 So so he's having sex with different dudes? Yeah. And he's telling them to be still.
1: Yeah, and they won't because, I mean, it's sex. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they're not dead, you know? And he wanted them to be objects and not people. So that's when he starts smuggling in these sleeping pills and he would roofie people's drinks in these bathhouses. And he had raped about 12 unconscious people oh before God. he was officially banned from the bathhouse because they realized, oh my God, it's all Jeffrey, right? He's so he gets banned. He's a
0: serial rapist right there. Yeah.
1: So he becomes just like a massive rapist. And then he looks on the local news and there's this 18-year-old dude who had just recently died. So he's like, I'm going to go dig up his coffin. Oh i to to have sex with the corpse that's perfect because i want everyone to be dead and this one's dead but then he gets to the grave and he's like the soil is too hard so like i mean it's just like this weird mixture of like he's like this crazy killer but then also a little bitch right so he's like the soil is too hard so then he goes home because he can't dig up the coffin and that's when he gets arrested again Uh so not long after that he's at the connect connect River, Kanik, Kanik, River, I am literally the most uneducated piece of poo that has ever existed. And he starts masturbating in front of these two 12-year-old boys at the river, which is really, really bad. So the police arrest him. And at first, he admits to the whole thing. He was like, yeah, I was masturbating. And then he was like, no, no, I wasn't. I was urinating. And they're like, "Um, we don't believe you. So he gets convicted of disorderly conduct, and he gets one-year probation, and he has to agree to undergo additional counseling. Now that's when the second murder happens. So he meets a guy by the name of Steve at a downtown bar. Mm-hmm. and he persuades him to join him at the ambassador hotel in milwaukee and that's where jeffrey had a room for the night he said that he had no intention of murdering steve he just wanted to drag him and rape him and so then he said the next morning he wakes up and steve is unconscious unconscious and his chest has been crushed in and he was black and blue everywhere with bruises and he he had blood coming out of his mouth jeffrey's arms and his fist were bruised up and he has no memory of what happened that night Later, he tells the police, maybe, maybe he tried to rip out his heart. He doesn't know.
0: What in the world? Yeah
1: so he goes And he buys a large suitcase places Steve's body in there and brings him back To grandma's and then one Week later he dismembers the body Detaches the head the arms The legs from the torso And he starts filleting the bones From the body so he takes out all the bones He cuts the flesh into small Hand sized pieces puts those Flesh pieces into plastic bags He puts the bones into like a bag Of sheets and starts breaking them down with A sledgehammer and the dude productive i mean the whole deep like just dismemberment process took about two hours and he disposed of all of the trash like he pulverized the bones like they were splinter sized because he put them into a sheet and just sledgehammered it for just an hour
0: this is very professional huh
1: yeah and he disposed all in just like the regular trash wow except steve's head so for two weeks, he keeps the head wrapped up in a blanket. And then he decides to boil the head in a mixture of Soilex and bleach. So Soilex is like an industrial detergent. So he mix- mixes some detergent, some bleach, boils the head. And then now it's just a skull. So all the flesh had like disintegrated. Oh. And so now it's just the skull. And he starts masturbating to the skull every single day. Now, eventually, because bleach really breaks down bones like a lot. So the skull became too brittle. And it eventually started breaking off pieces of the head so uh-huh. he's like oh man like i can't masturbate to this anymore so he decides to just pulverize the rest of the skull like beat it with a sledgehammer and then disposes of it
0: the way he just
1: just does it
0: yeah he, the body is like disappeared yeah like everything is gone
1: like it's crazy because a lot of serial killers they just like leave the body in the woods
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like this is good yeah and or they have trouble even to like yeah remove a part
1: And then imagine, like, this is in his grandma's house. Like, he's not living in, like, an isolated middle of nowhere right now. Yeah. He's in Milwaukee. Like, it's a pretty populated area. So grandma had
0: no fucking idea? No
1: idea. What? No idea. So then the third murder was James, who was only 14 years old. So he was a Native American. And, I mean, this uh, just... He was a male prostitute at 14. So obviously he was probably traffic Like something was just bad going on in his life. Okay. It breaks my heart that he's 14. I don't even. So he gets lured into his grandma's house, into Jeffrey's grandma's house. And he was told that for nude photos, he would get $50. So he's like, this is great. So he goes into the house and they engage in consensual, allegedly consensual sexual activity. And that's when Jeffrey decides to drug up. Also, I take that back. There's no consent when they're 14, but just keep that in mind. Okay, Mm. so Jeffrey decides to drug up James and then strangles him until he dies and then does the same dismemberment process, dismembers the rest of the body and bones in the trash, boils the head and keeps the head to masturbate. Then he has another victim and... (sighs) I mean, it's just weird. Like, he starts giving oral sex to the corpse. So his fourth murder victim was named Richard. And after he strangled him, Jeffrey gave oral sex to the corpse, which I don't know. I mean, I just I feel like I haven't really heard a lot of cases like that. I've heard a lot of, you know, assaults. I've heard a lot of sodomy or even, you know, with Ed Kemper, he would. Thrust into the mouths of severed heads But mm-hmm. like he was giving the oral sex So it's it's just weird
0: All I know is The possibility of these serial killers are endless Yeah There's like
1: Yeah <laughs> Seriously and so then he finally Dismembers the body and within 24 Hours I mean he's disposed of the Body all the bones all the flesh In the trash same MO Now he has attempt number five Okay attempt number five gets Ruined because he puts drugs in the coffee Of the victim the victim is at his grandma's House and Uh that's when he's like getting so Excited his mouth is salivating he's like "I Can't wait for this victim to die You know and then his grandma is like Jeff is that you sweetie and he was like, fuck, my grandma's not supposed to be home right now. So uh-huh. he starts panicking and he responded as if he was like alone. So uh-huh. he's like, oh, yeah, um, yeah, I just got back by myself or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And his grandma had mentioned that she saw that he wasn't alone and mm-hmm. he knew it. So it was kind of like this unspoken thing. Right. Mm. So the grandma didn't say anything, but he knew that she saw. So he didn't kill him. He ends up dropping him off at a local hospital. And uh, that's when, yeah, that's when the grandma sits him down and he's, she says, listen, I'm gonna need you to move out. So first of all, I don't really feel comfortable with you bringing all these random young men, you know, home late at night. Now I don't know if there was any sort of homophobia involved in this situation, Mm -hmm. but it seems like he kept a relatively good relationship with his grandma even afterwards. So I don't think so. But I mean, I can only imagine being a grandma and like your grandkids are just fucking people. Like I'd be concerned. (laughs) I'd be like, can you not do that in my house, right? (laughs) Um, I I don't think it has anything to do with homophobia, but it's just out for debate, right? Mm -hmm. And then the second thing was that there was, you know, a nasty smell coming from the basement. She's like, do all people in their 20s smell like this? I don't even remember. It's just a nasty smell. I need you to pack it up, dude. OK, get some uh-huh. cologne. So then he's like, fine. So he finds a one bedroom apartment and he moves in. Now, the next day he gets arrested because he lured a 13 year old boy into that apartment and he said, I'm going to pay you for nudes. But he ends up drugging him and fondling him. Okay. Now, this 13-year-old boy is so important to the story because later on, one of Jeffrey Dahmer's murder victims is this boy's younger brother. Coincidence. Complete oh coincidence. God. So then he was convicted of second-degree sexual assault, which like, Wait, I'm like, why? The Not boy first. got away? Yeah.
0: What happened? Just ran off?
1: Yeah. He like woke up And I guess he just Didn't want to kill him He was like You're free to go And so January 1989 He gets convicted And he has to wait Till May 1989 For his sentencing So then he moves back In with his grandma Sometime in March Right And two months After his conviction And two months Before sentencing Like imagine the stress Of that Like you don't even know If you're getting jail time Right You're gonna find out In two months But he's like I'm gonna just kill someone So he meets a man By the name of Anthony Sears who was an aspiring model And they meet at a bar and he said Anthony was just exceptionally attractive, one of the most attractive men that he met in his entire life. He had he didn't go to the gay bar like he wasn't like hunting for any victims, but he just kept talking to me. And so I was like, wow, you're so hot, right?
0: Uh So he
1: brings him back to grandma's. They engage in some oral sex. He drugs up Anthony and he strangles Anthony. And then he brings him to grandma's bathtub, decapitates him. And that's when some weird stuff starts happening. So that's when he tries skinning him to try to preserve his skin, stripped him of his flesh from his bones. He pulverized the bones and disposed in the trash the same way as he always does. But this time he wants to preserve the head and his genitalia in acetone. What does that mean? So he's trying to put it into like, you know, acetone, like the stuff I use to like remove my nail polish. Sure. So he's trying to preserve it. in it's like glory. Like, a, you know, those Halloween, like imagine oh. like those jars. Like, f- yeah.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And he would store those in his work locker at the chocolate factory. Because his grandma oh, could find it, which is very fascinating. A lot of psychologists actually would later study this fact because he ends up. De- um, what do you call it? Castrating a lot of his victims, ripping off their penis, cutting it off. Right. And trying to preserve it. Uh-huh. And Jeffrey, when he was young, he always had this fear that his penis would be gone one day. Like he would. Yeah. His dad apparently said that he would ask his mom, like, what if it just falls off? Like, what if my penis just like I wake up and it falls off? Like, what if I bump into a wall and my penis just like falls off?
0: It's a really weird thought.
1: Yeah, like what if I I my leg falls asleep and then my penis falls off?
0: That's really weird. Yeah. Never thought about that before. You never thought about it? No. Now
1: he's got a new fear. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, so that's what he, I mean, it's just, uh, we don't know if this is, like, a weird moment for him. Mm-hmm. If that's something he's always thought about and then made it happen to other victims. So then he moves into the Oxford Apartments, which is known to be a not-so-great area. It had really, really cheap rent, so he was just excited to get out of his grandma's house again. And he's like, yada yada yada, goes to his chocolate factory work locker, takes out Anthony's penis and his head, and brings him to his new apartment. He gets this beautiful, like, tropical fish tank. Yeah, he has fish, he has fish tank okay and within one week he gets his sixth victim raymond smith who is a 32 year old male prostitute wait
0: what is he doing with the fish tank
1: just like has the fish there he likes the fish. i
0: thought you were saying that
1: oh no he's not gonna put the skulls in the fish tank
0: no like the penis oh
1: no, no 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 yeah yeah and so he gets this male prostitute to come over for some sex and they you know pay and stuff like that he ends up roofing him with seven sleeping pills and then he manually strangles him now this time There's a deviation he goes and he buys a Polaroid camera and he starts taking pictures of the corpse in the bathroom while like before and during dismemberment so like it would be in the process like progress update Polaroid pictures.
0: Did they see the photo? Oh,
1: yeah. That's how he gets caught, by the way, by those photos. A cop was, like, looking for something else in his house, and, like, they found the photos. It's crazy. So then he just dismembers, boils the legs, arms, and the pelvis in, like, this giant steel kettle with Soylex, the detergent, and he rinsed the bones in the sink, and he ends up dissolving the rest of the bones in like a container full of acid acid now this is again where he starts doing something different so he gets the skull of richard raymond and he spray paints the skull
0: Huh. like a diy
1: like a diy yeah huh. Huh.
0: but then like these kind of things even if you see it you wouldn't even think that's real right
1: i mean i don't know i've never seen a human skull
0: Go to the Halloween store. It's just a regular store. No, score. but
1: like, I wonder if I see a real one, if I'd be like, that doesn't, that looks no, a little different. You
0: wouldn't be able to tell. You think Come so? On. Yeah.
1: You think I'd just be like, oh, where'd you get that? Yeah. Spirit Halloween or yeah, some shit? exactly. Target? And they're like, Amazon. no, it's Melissa. <laughs> That's not funny. I don't know why I laughed. I didn't even think the joke was funny. I just a nervous laugh, I think. <laughs> no, I'm nervous laughing again. Anyways, so the next week he ends up... Um, <laughs> This was his seventh murder attempt. This one is kind of funny. So he ends up bringing a victim over to do the same thing that he did to his other six victims. But Jeffrey Dahmer drinks the drink with the sedatives. You <laughs> forgot? Yeah, like he got the drinks mixed up. So he drinks the drinks with the sedatives. He wakes up the next morning and the victim steals $300 in cash, a bunch of clothes, and his watch.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: I know. It's so, so good. good so good and he never reports it because obviously right Uh and he does mention it to a probation officer like in passing like oh i was robbed and Uh then later he'll tell them what happened Uh (laughs) so then the seventh murder was edward smith who was 27 years old now he didn't like that all the previous skulls were very brittle so the two skulls that he had kept they just were on the verge of breaking and all his past ones they had already broken Uh so he's like you know i'm gonna try to do it different this time so he does the same Same thing with the flesh. He always gets rid of the flesh. I mean, sometimes he keeps it to eat it. So he likes the heart and the liver and the legs and the thighs. So he'll eat some of those. But up until this point, he doesn't eat it yet. Right. And he ends up placing the skeleton into the freezer. And that's when he's like, okay, it's going to like suck out the moisture from the bones. But it doesn't. So then he's like, you know what? I'm going to kind of like dehydrate it. Like, you know, like beef jerky, but to a skull. So he puts the skull into the oven to cause it to suck out the moisture so that it doesn't like decompose and shit and that's when the skull explodes in the oven yeah i don't know the logistics i don't know the cooking logistics i don't know the heat logistics i just know that is not a visual that i wanted to have
0: holy shit.
1: so he later tells the police that he felt awful about this murder just completely rotten he used the word rotten <laughs> he used the word rotten because he couldn't keep any of the body parts. It's not the fact that he murdered someone that he feels awful about. He's like, damn it, I couldn't preserve the skull. <laughs> and so he was really mad so then he meets Ernest 22 year old does the same thing he puts sleeping pills in this time he slashes his throat more Polaroids and this is when he starts losing it he starts talking to his severed head while he's dismembering the rest of the body so the body would be in the bathtub he would decapitate the head first and then like kiss the head and like talk to it and then be like yeah now I'm just working on the arms and like kind of like kind of like a YouTube tutorial but with a severed head type of vibe yeah and then he would wrap up the heart the biceps the leg flesh into these plastic bags throw them into the freezer later he says that he would eat it every now and then i mean cannibalism wasn't his end game it wasn't his main goal but it was just something that he liked
0: he's advancing he's just getting more and more nasty oh
1: yeah so then even the bones he starts putting putting them in like a light bleach situation. Like he's like really just chemistrying this shit. Like he's like, okay, I'm gonna try to mix the ratio of this and this.
0: What is he doing with this?
1: He's trying to preserve the bones. So he puts them into like a very light bleach mixture and then he lets the bones dry on cloth for a week. He puts a head in the refrigerator and then the skull later is preserved so then he paints it with enamel. <laughs> yeah. It's just weird. So then the ninth murder is just kind of sad. So he meets David Thomas, who's 22 years old, at a mall. And he was to come over for drinks. So he ends up at, you know, this apartment. It was Unit 213, Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment. And he starts drinking. But Jeffrey said, you know, after I had gotten him unconscious with all of the drugs that I gave him, I just, I didn't get hard. Like, I have, there's no attraction to him. So I couldn't risk to keep him alive. So I killed him anyway. I dismembered him And he did take pictures Of the dismemberment But he intentionally Kept no parts Of the body Because there was No attraction there He didn't keep the skull He didn't keep the bones He didn't keep any flesh Nothing
0: hmm, Interesting That's so weird right So fucking weird
1: Yeah and then he takes Like a random Five month break Like, he was just escalating with frequency. And then he was like, I'm done. So for, like, five months, he didn't do anything. Now, really, people don't really know what happened. It seems like he tried to lure people into his apartment. But maybe they were just not having it. And they didn't think he was cute.
0: So is there any police searching going on right now? Or not really?
1: So there is, but not a lot. Because a lot of them were prostitutes. Mm. So because they were sex workers, they were kind of... (sighs) If this happens in almost all the serial killer cases where they target sex workers, they're just kind of like not put on the front page. Yeah, right. And he I guess Jeffrey was experiencing some anxiety and depression. Poor Jeffrey. I say that with sarcasm um so for the next five months he's just dealing with like his sexuality his solitary lifestyle his financial difficulties he's having some suicidal thoughts and then he was like now nah, i'm a murderer again so he murders another person by the name of curtis keeps tons of vi- videos and photos and then and then oh my gosh this is where the acid happens okay let me tell you about the acid But before I tell you about that, I need to tell you about Philo. If you don't know, Philo is TV for everyone, okay? We recently put a TV in our room, and holy cow, (laughs) it has been upping my life. And I love TV, but I think the reason I never wanted to get one was because, listen, I hate the size of cable bills. I don't understand it. I literally want to watch true crime. I want to watch ID. I want to watch A&E, but I never want to pay this cable network and then this one and then this one just so I can like watch one show that they offer once in a while. But Philo is not like that. It's live and on demand for you for just $20 a month. There's literally no better way to watch TV. They've literally got ID, Lifetime, A&E. They've got 50 other channels, MTV, VH1, vh BT, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, okay? It's all there. Like if you're into the first 48 hours or like Killing Eve, maybe you're like, listen, I like 90 Day Fiance. That's all I ever watch, The Walking Dead. I mean, I think I've saved hundreds of dollars a month on TV. It's really the most affordable way that i found to watch TV. There's also no contracts, so it's cord-free, commitment-free, hassle-free, and they've got really good customer service. They also have unlimited DVR. You can save all your favorite shows, so you can watch it on your own schedule. You can watch three simultaneous streams in one house so you never really get to fight over no i want to watch this it's just like hey go to the living room dude i'm busy (laughs) now more than ever philo believes that great tv shouldn't cost I was going to say an arm and a leg, but it just really doesn't feel like the time to say that. In the middle of a Jeffrey Dahmer podcast, it should just be accessible for everyone. Sign up today at philo.tv slash rotten and you guys can actually get 25% off your first two months. That's p-h-i-l-o dot t-v slash r-o-t-t-e-n. So that's when Jeffrey Dahmer meets his next victim. His name was Errol Lindsay and he was 19 years old and he was a straight male. So he gets drugged. I mean, he gets lured into Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment, obviously, and he gets drugged. And this time he does something different. Jeffrey really was not really in it for killing people he didn't get off on the kill he wasn't one of those serial killers he didn't have this rage and he wanted to see the life go out of people's eyes he didn't have any of that he wasn't a sadistic killer he really just wanted kind of like a zombie-like sex doll that was his end game really it didn't even seem like he wanted necrophilia it didn't seem like he just enjoyed sex with dead bodies more than anything he loved sex with unconscious bodies and he felt the need to kill them so that he could keep something from that experience okay. to keep the skulls to remember this experience by. Right. And so he decides to drug up Errol and he drills a hole into his skull. He's still alive. He's just unconscious. And he pours in a diluted hydrochloric acid into his skull. Oh my God. now he's hoping that this would turn him into a complete zombie he wants him to be a complete submissive person who would never say a word who would never do anything but literally sit there stay alive and just like be his little sex thing right and that's i mean he was just so excited for it now he's waiting just anticipating for arrow to wake up and be like hey like i'm just your sex slave now right but he actually wakes up and he's like what's going on like I have a headache what time is it and so he's like shit that's not good so he ends up drugging him again and kills him yeah so then this time he tries to keep the skin in like this water salt water mixture to preserve the skin I mean that didn't work out like he's just really trying like he's I don't even know. He's like Frankensteining things, right? And it was a lot. He ends up dismembering him in the same way and keeping his skull. Now the building at this point is they're getting a lot of concerns. Like the neighbors are saying, listen, you know, it's a little smelly on <laughs> the second floor. It's a little smelly. There's a little smell coming out of 213. We don't know what to do. We don't know if it's rude to tell him, hey Jeff, you're kind of smelly, right? Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, and sometimes randomly we'll just hear like these chainsaw noises. Like why is there a chainsaw in an apartment? like there's no yard work like mm-hmm. what are you doing DIYing furniture in the middle of your apartment well maybe right but like what are you doing yeah. so that's when the building manager she ends up calling Jeffrey multiple times and she's like listen we've got more reports of this like what's going on and so for the smell he has two different reasons that he kind of exchanges at first he's like oh my god my freezer is broken and everything inside my freezer is now spoiled so it's mm-hmm. smelly sorry mm-hmm. and then a second reason is my tropical fish died and it smells tropical. So it's a little smelly, but I'll take care of it. So then the building manager is like, shoot, what can we do, right? Uh And then he meets a boy by the name of Tony. Well, I mean, not really a boy. He was 31 years old, and he was deaf, and he was mute. So they communicated by writing to each other, and he actually was trying to get money for nudes that he would take inside of Jeffrey's apartment, like most of the other victims, right? Uh So Tony ends up in Jeffrey's unit, and Jeffrey kills him. This time, there's a deviation again. He lets the corpse just sit in his bedroom for three days. And, I mean, I don't know if you guys know what happens in three days. Like, a lot happens. And only his living room had air conditioning. So, his bedroom was pretty hot. So, there was just a lot going on in that bedroom. So, he just leaves him there for three days. And that's when he meets Konarak smith a And I'm definitely pronouncing that wrong. So, Konarak is 14. And he is actually the younger brother of a boy that he assaulted. Remember that boy that I told you to remember, too? This is the younger brother, coincidentally. So he's 14 years old, and Jeffrey manages to persuade him to come into his house, right? So he does. Uh Again, it was like the money for the nudes for the Polaroid picture situation. And he drugs him up. He performs oral sex on the 14-year-old. And that's when he drills another hole into the skull of this 14-year-old. Now, this one, it was in the frontal lobe. So, like, in the front. So, he's hoping, like, maybe this will do something else because last time it didn't work. And he injects hydrochloric acid into his brain, into his skull. And so, he gets, before he gets knocked unconscious, though, he brings the 14-year-old boy into the bedroom where, guess who? Freaking Tony's laying there and he is he's a bloated corpse. Now, it's one thing to see someone like laying on a bed, but it's another thing to see a corpse and one that's like that far into the decomposition phase. Right. So this 14 year old, you would expect him to scream and to fight and to be so shocked. Right. But he had. No reaction. So this gave Jeffrey a lot of hope. He's like, yes, he's going to become the sex zombie that I've been waiting for. Woo! So then he's waiting. You know, the boy falls unconscious. He's like, ooh, when he wakes up, it's going to be all fun and games, right? And he's like, well, what should I do to kill the time? He starts drinking some beers. Uh-huh. And then he's like man I ran out of beers So he goes to the local bar He leaves just two bodies In his apartment Goes to the local bar Starts drinking some there And then he's like uh-huh. You know what It's time to go home So then he goes to like The local liquor store buys some alcohol Uh and as he is approaching the apartment building he sees the 14 year old boy butt naked talking to three women and he was speaking in Laos so he is Lao Um, I don't know if that was the only language he spoke and Uh I don't know if maybe all of the trauma he was just like speaking in whatever language he wanted to right I'm not Uh really sure about that but the three women were just kind of confused and of course they were like come here little boy like let me take care of you right Uh and one of them she later was telling like the press and stuff like he just he ran up to her with this like oh my god thank god like look on his face and she's never met him before Uh and just like jumped into her arms and she had to constantly like wipe his head because the amount of sweat coming
0: constantly
1: Uh Uh and Uh she noticed that he was bleeding out of his butt like his buttocks and the blood Uh was dripping down his thigh it was just a lot so the three women they call 911 they're on their way right And that's when Jeffrey approaches and he says, oh, my God, this is my friend. (laughs) Thank you for uh, finding my friend. Um, I'm just going to take him back to the apartment right now. He's my house guest. And the three women are like, oh, no, you don't. (laughs) No, Uh you're not. Um, We called the police so you can take him back after the police say you can take him back. So then Jeffrey's sitting there, he seems a little bit agitated. But immediately when the two police officers arrive, he seems really relaxed and he tells the police, listen. This is my 19 year old boyfriend. He was 14, by the way, but the police are like, cool. And he was like, we got into this fight and he got so drunk and now he's so drunk. What do we do? Like, I'm just trying to take him back to the apartment. I know he's like butt naked right now. Oh, so embarrassed, right? Uh And the three women are standing there and they're just looking so flabbergasted. They're like, shut the front door. That's not what happened. And they said, listen, police, you need to listen to us. He's bleeding from the butt. That's not good. Second of all, earlier, before he, like, you guys got here, Jeffrey tried to bring him upstairs. And he was kind of struggling Like I think that That's not normal Right And the cops told the woman Like hey Butt out Like shut the hell up It's a domestic incident
0: Are you kidding me
1: And so the police Helped Jeffrey Escort The boy Back to Unit 213 and that's when Jeffrey comes out of his bedroom and shows them Polaroids that he had taken of the boy earlier and said, see, like we were just taking some sexy photos. And then we got into a fight.
0: Well, there's a dead body in the bedroom, in the
1: bedroom. And one of the police had remembered that it did smell really nasty in there because of Tony's body, obviously, but he didn't question it. And the police even specifically told Jeffrey like, all right, well, you take good care of him and left. Now, they had his name. They had his address. If they had run a background check on Jeffrey Dahmer, they would see that he was a convicted child molester. But they didn't.
0: Of that guy's brother, too.
1: Yeah, but they didn't.
0: Holy shit.
1: And so that's when Jeffrey Dahmer, now having evaded the police again, because remember that time he got pulled over and shit, right? He evaded the police again. He decides to inject him one more time and this time it would be fatal he ended up dying from it so the next day he takes the day off from work and he dismembers both of the bodies then he meets Matt Turner who's 20 years old he faces the same fate and then he meets Jeremiah Weinberger only five days after Matt Turner's murder and he drugs him and twice twice he would inject boiling water into Jeremiah's skull. And it didn't work, obviously, what he wanted because Jeremiah ended up going into a coma and he ended up dying two days later in Jeffrey's apartment. Then he meets Oliver Lacey, who's 24 years old. And this time, he's, he's starting to get upset that none of this is working, okay? So he's like, listen, I want to keep people alive. Like, I want to have a sex doll, right? Like a zombie, like a living zombie. I don't want to, like masturbate to a skull like i'd prefer a living zombie so he tries to like keep him alive but barely alive using chloroform but that doesn't end up working so he then takes another day off to dismember his body because i guess his plan was nah, i'm gonna just keep him kind of alive right but it didn't work so he had to be killed in jeffrey's eyes and he takes a day off of work now that's when work is like listen you've been taking way too many days off so they fire him hmm And that day, he's so mad that he goes and finds 24-year-old Joseph Braidhoft and he murders him and leaves his corpse on his bed for two days. And after two days, when he comes back to see the corpse in all its glory, there was just maggots all in his head. Now, July 1999 is when everything kind of comes to a close. How did he get caught? You know, what happened, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Jeffrey needed one more person. Well, he needed two more people, actually, I think. No, one. Well, we'll get into it. So he approaches three men on the street and he says, listen, I'm willing to pay you guys money for Polaroid nudes in my apartment. And Tracy Edwards, who was 32 years old, he had agreed. He said, "Okay, sounds good, right? Immediately upon entering the apartment, Tracy was like, what is this smell? (laughs) Like, this is a weird smell, dude. And as he entered the living room, he sees boxes of hydrochloric acid and he just casually was like uh (laughs) what are those for and jeffrey was like oh i was just cleaning some bricks like you know you can clean some bricks like with hydrochloric acid so he's like okay that's a little bit weird so then he was like oh why don't you sit down he sits down hey uh you want to look at my tropical fish in that fish tank so he's like, sure. So he looks over, and that's when Jeffrey grabs his arm and puts a handcuff on him. And he struggles to kind of cuff his hands together. So he wants Tracy's hands to be cuffed together, right? Yes. But it doesn't work. So he grabs the other cuff, leads him into the bedroom. And inside of the bedroom, there was a TV that was playing The Exorcist 3 the movie and there was also a 57 gallon drum that was really smelly just like in the corner of the bedroom like you know those big massive barrels right yeah and jeffrey suddenly pulls out a knife and he's got this handcuff on one of his arms and he's like all right well let's take the pictures and tracy's like you know i'm your friend like uh, i'm gonna be your friend throughout all of this i'm gonna take these pictures you know all i want is i just want to get a little comfortable like let's take let's take off these cuffs you know i think i can do more poses without these cuffs wait
0: did he lock him into something
1: yeah like he had just one cuff and he was holding the other one and he was kind of standing in the like the corner of the room so he can't leave the bedroom i see and so tracy's trying to be smart he's like you know, I could do more poses without these cuffs. I'll get rid of the knife and I'll be so much more comfortable. Like, let's take the pictures. Like, why? Why? Do, I mean, I came here to take the pictures. It's fine. Yeah. And so he looks at him and Jeffrey's like, huh. And he just stares at the TV. He's just watching The Exorcist. And so he's like, okay, so are you Jeez. not going to, like, put away the knife? Are you not going to take off? I don't know what's happening, right? Yeah. And then he starts rocking back and forth. And he starts chanting something. And he's like, what? Tracy's like, what are you saying, dude? Mm -hmm. And then he just comes over to Tracy, presses his head against Tracy's chest, listens to his heartbeat, presses the knife near his heart, and says, I'm going to eat your heart. And that's when Tracy's like, dude, it's all good. Like, it's all good. Like, why don't we hang out before you do that? (laughs) Like, why don't we hang out before you eat my heart? You know, that sounds like a really good dinner, dinner snack. Right now is lunch, you know? So we should, we should just hang out. So Tracy's trying everything that he can to just make sure that this doesn't happen. So he's like, can I use the bathroom first? Can we sit out in the living room because you're making me a little bit nervous? I want to do all these things with you. Like, let's just drink another beer. Like, get, get Lucy. And so he's like, okay, fine. So they're sitting in the little living room. I mean, this was five hours total that he was undergoing all of this. And then finally, I mean, I think Jeffrey got a little bit too drunk and he was losing a little bit of concentration because he ends up like just releasing the other handcuff So Uh technically, he could just run out the front door right now. So Tracy is like, all right, I'm going to just use the bathroom one more time. And so then Jeffrey's like, okay, cool. So he stands up, punches Jeffrey in the face, and runs out the apartment. And that's when he finds police on the corner of the street. And he's like, oh, my God, please help me out of these handcuffs. I'm freaking out. The police handcuff key couldn't remove the handcuffs. So they're like, what's going on? Like, just follow us back to the apartment where you claim you were handcuffed. So he's like, are you kidding? Like, I was in there for five hours. Fucking let's go. So they go to Jeffrey's apartment and they're like, open up, police. And he opens the door and he says, please enter my humble abode, like unit 213. So the police enter, right? And Jeffrey admits to putting on the handcuffs but he gives no explanation like he's just like yeah i did put those on him and the police are like okay and then tracy's getting kind of getting upset you know Mm -hmm. he's like what about the knife like tell them about the knife like tell them you literally held a knife to my heart and told me you're gonna fucking eat my heart like tell them that why don't you jeffrey right Mm -hmm. and he makes no comment jeffrey little literally says nothing and he goes the key is in the bedroom i can go get it right now to release him from the handcuffs right Mm mm-hmm so the police were like, okay, we'll go get it. So one of the police officers starts work walking towards the bedroom and Jeffrey like starts speeding up, like almost as he wants to like outwalk the mm-hmm. police officer to get it first. And that's when the second police officer was like, Hey, back off. So then he just kind of froze. The first police officer gets there and on the bedside table, he sees the knife on the ground. So he's like, oh, shit, like this is a real story. He sees the handcuff key, but the nightstand drawer was open just a teeny weeny bit. And Uh he glances down and inside the drawer, he sees what looks like a picture. Uh So he opens it up and it's polaroids of dismembered bodies and the decor looks exactly like the apartment that he's standing in it doesn't look like a movie set it looks like this was taken inside this apartment like the walls are the same everything's the same so then he walks out to the living room to the other detective or the other police officer and said hey in quotes these are for real end quote and so they're like, what the fork? So they try to arrest him. He tries running, but they, they overpower him. And they arrest him. They call for backup. Now, while they're waiting for backup, that's when they open the fridge. And there's just a freshly severed head in there, just staring Holy at them. shit. And they hear Jeffrey say, for what I did, I should be dead. And they're like, what? So they arrest him. They search his entire apartment. Inside of his kitchen, they find four severed heads, seven painted skulls. So the heads, they hadn't had the flesh ripped off. So it's a total of 11 skulls, technically
0: there's four heads
1: four heads yeah with meat Uh, not meat oh he put
0: it in those jars
1: yeah like flesh that were ready to get i guess disintegrated and he had seven painted skulls there were two human hearts inside the freezer was an entire torso a plastic bag of organs a bunch of arm muscle there was two entire skeletons In his house, in his apartment, a pair of hands. There were two severed and preserved penises. There was a mummified scalp. And then, you know, in that drum, the 57-gallon drum I was telling you about in the bedroom, there were three dismembered torsos dissolving in acid currently. And there were 74 Polaroids of dismemberment in different phases. 74 Polaroids. Yeah. The chief medical examiner who covered this case said... It was less like searching someone's house and more like dismantling someone's museum. Like it was, it's just a weird feeling. It's not really a crime scene type of thing that they were handling. It felt like a museum. Like, what is this? Yeah. Right, So the police, I mean, they're interrogating Jeffrey and he was really not putting up a fight. He waived his right to an attorney. They questioned him for 60 hours and he literally told them, like, I'm going to confess to everything. And he said, because I created this horror, it only makes sense that I put an end to it. So he confesses to 17 murders. He confesses to necrophilia. He said usually he would have sex with the corpses during dismemberment. He confessed to cannibalism. He particularly ate the heart, livers, biceps, and thighs he said it all had to do with the fact that he has this never-ending desire to be with people to be with someone and that someone he really wanted them to be good looking just like so attractive that's all he wanted and that's all he thought about so they were like, what were you doing with the skulls? You know, why were they painted? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And he said he wanted to create an altar. So he had this, um, he had this dream, right? So he's like, I'm gonna get this black opaque shower curtain, hang it up in front of the window so that no one can look again.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: I have this black table and I have this black leather chair. So I'm gonna put the table right up against the window, and I'm gonna have my chair facing that table, and I'm just gonna sit in there and it's gonna be like my meditation space. So I was gonna get these skulls. He wanted 12 skulls, right? Mm -hmm. And he wanted them painted. He wanted incense on the table. And he said he would sit on the black chair and he would meditate. That's what he wanted. He wanted a place to meditate. I'm like, have you fucking heard of yoga? But he was like, no, I'm going to meditate with skulls. And he said that that was a place that he genuinely felt like he could finally feel at home. Mm -hmm. And he could draw a sense of power from the skulls. He said, if you had caught me six months later, you probably could have seen the altar because he was waiting for the next goal, I guess. He just needed one more to finish. So obviously he was indicted. Um, Fifteen counts in Wisconsin and one count in Ohio. He was not charged with the death of Steve. That happened in the hotel. Remember? Remember? I'm not sure why I think the police just really wanted shut and done cases they didn't want Mm -hmm. anything for the defense attorney to grab onto and be like nope see right Mm -hmm. so because there was no memory he had of it he didn't really confess to it he has no idea why he did it what happened Mm -hmm. and they couldn't find any of the body parts or Polaroids of that one Mm -hmm. they um, never charged him for that one and they also didn't charge him for attempted murder of Tracy Edwards for whatever reason I don't know why right Mm -hmm. and he pleaded guilty to all of them Mm -hmm. but he pleaded guilty but insane. so he's saying like hey I'm not trying to say I'm not guilty by reason of insanity I'm just saying like I'm guilty but I'm also insane and so January 20th 1992 was the trial and it was going to be a very intense two week trial I mean the amount of psychologists that I read went up and like try to diagnose him everyone kind of had their own variation of what the fork was going on inside of his brain it really was not a shut and done hey this is the illness that he has it was intense The, the defense was saying listen he has a mental personality disorder and he becomes obsessed and he can't control these impulses of his obsession and the prosecutor is like saying no he can he has the ability to resist it okay he's like dismembering and disposing and disintegrating bodies it sounds like someone who wants to get away with it okay it doesn't sound like someone who's like i can't resist right and so he was somewhat diagnosed here and there with necrophilia Mm
0: -hmm.
1: borderline personality disorder schizotypal personality disorder which it just i mean like the main symptoms from what i could research has to do with sometimes you do hallucinate sometimes you do have psychosis but a lot of it is just you don't know you're just kind of antisocial really is what it Mm. means from what i could gather Mm. and alcohol dependence and a psychotic disorder so the necrophilia was a whole debate during trial because technically he didn't want people to die. Like he wanted to make them into sex dolls. So can you really say that he's a necrophiliac? I mean, none of it makes sense, right? And then you have a serial killer, which people were kind of accustomed to serial killers being this crazy sadist at the time. Like just people who want to see you tortured, right? Mm -hmm. But he wasn't. So this was kind of confusing people. You know, there was also evidence that he would drink alcohol before every kill. So maybe it means that he didn't want to kill these people. Like, he had liquid courage to help him kill these people. Like, sure, the dismemberant, he was cool with it. But maybe the act of killing, he didn't actually want to do. So can you really argue that that's an impulse he can't control? If he didn't even want to do it? Does that make sense? So, like, they were just kind of, like, arguing these little nuances. They brought in, like, The Exorcist 3, the return of the jetty, okay? Because he would watch these videos all the time and be like, oh my god, I relate with these evil characters,
0: What are they debating? Like his sentencing?
1: Yeah. So if he should go to like a hospital for the criminally insane or if he should go to prison, prison. Right. And so the defense is like, nah, he was a desperate, lonely, just sick individual. Okay. And the prosecutor is like, he literally killed people so he could get off on it. Thank you. And so it lasted two weeks. He was obviously found guilty on all 15 counts. Now, of those 15 counts in Wisconsin, two of those, he was given life in prison plus 10 years. The other 13 counts, he was given life in prison plus 70 years. So, like, technically, he was just given life in prison, but, like, plus a bajillion other years. But just, like, life, right? And then he was flown to Ohio, where he would be tried for the one count of murder for the very first murder he ever committed, like, fresh out of graduating high school. And he was also sentenced to life. But he would serve in Wisconsin, right? So he gets put into jail at Columbia Correctional Institution. And for the first year, he was in solitary confinement for his own safety. This was just too big of a case. Too many people were disgusted, you know, by Jeffrey Dahmer. All these criminals were like, if I see Jeffrey up in this bitch, I'm gonna kill him. So with his consent, after a year, he was like, you know what? I want to be around people. Please send me to a less secure unit. Allegedly, he still had like a full time guard just guarding him. Mm -hmm. anytime he was near other inmates because he just was having tons of problems with other inmates. Now, every single day, he would do these two-hour daily toilet cleanings. He became a born-again Christian. He was actually baptized in prison. So they had, (laughs) yeah, they had a pastor come out and baptize him. And by the way, the pastor lost about 90% of his church after baptizing Jeffrey Dahmer.
0: And what does he say about that?
1: He said that God forgives all. You know, he was like, God's okay with this. And yeah, he was just kind of like a born again Christian. I don't really know, right? And Osvaldo, which was a prison inmate, he tried to slash his throat, Jeffrey Dahmer's throat, with a blade that was hidden inside of a toothbrush. Because he just didn't like Jeffrey Dahmer. He was like, you're a sick, nasty little bitch, so I'm going to kill you. And then it didn't work, so he ended up surviving. And Jeffrey seemed like he didn't care. Like, his mom was like, are you okay, baby? And, by the way, he maintained a relatively good relationship with his parents while he was in prison.
0: Yeah, what does the parents say about this shit?
1: They supported him.
0: What do you mean support of him?
1: Like they think what he did was evil. They think they feel so bad for the victims, but they still love their son. And the mom, I mean, she gave a very emotional interview because she was like, am I not allowed to mourn or feel anything? It's like, I can't feel anything, even though technically I lost my son because all these people lost their kids and they'll never see them again. And she said, I hope it doesn't hurt the victims families, but I have a good relationship and I love my son. And it was just very controversial because a lot of serial killers parents are like, OK, bye. Right. So, um, yeah, she said that he didn't care. He was like, listen, mom, I'm ready to die and I'm ready to accept my punishment whenever it comes. Huh. So then punishment came Jeffrey Dahmer and a man by the name of Jesse Anderson, who was in prison for life for killing his wife outside of um, TGI Fridays after dinner. They had dinner at TGI Fridays and then he came out and shot his wife. Jesse what? Anderson. Yeah. And then we have Christopher Scarver. He was um, an alcoholic. He said that he heard voices that told him he was the chosen one. And he got like this job application. And apparently like the situation just didn't end up working like the position. It wasn't filled by anybody else. It just wasn't going to exist anymore. So he was trained for the position. But then the company got rid of that position. So he had yeah. no job. So he gets so mad. He goes to the boss and he's like, listen, I need money. And then he's like, OK, here's $15. And he gets so mad. That That he shoots him until he dies and tries to flee the scene. Wow. So all three of these people went to go clean the bathrooms together. And for some reason, the guards gave them like a 20-minute window where they were just alone. And that's when Christopher Scarver grabs a 20-inch five-pound metal bar and beats both of them. Beats Jeffrey Dahmer and Jesse Anderson with it. What? Yeah. So
0: (laughs) when So it wasn't targeted?
1: It was, kind of. Okay. Kind of a not. So first, when the police and everyone asked him, like, um, why'd you kill Jeffrey Dahmer and Jesse Anderson? Not saying that we want them to be alive. Well, but he like, killed
0: the other one too? Yeah,
1: they both died. Oh. They both did. So like, they were like, listen, we're not trying to say like, these are the best people that need to be alive, but it's still murder. So why'd you do it? Right. And he said, well, I was walking and they were walking behind me. Mm-hmm. And one of them poked me in the back, like poked me, just like poked me with their finger. Uh-huh. And I turned around and I said, who did it? Uh-huh. And they both giggled.
0: That's it? Okay.
1: So then he killed them.
0: So this wasn't targeted.
1: Okay, so that was his first claim, right? And then later he said, you know, I think it was all a setup. So Christopher thinks it's a setup. So he said that he had always hated Jeffrey Dahmer since like the minute that he stepped foot into the same prison as Jeffrey Dahmer. He hated Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey was allegedly unremorseful in prison. He said that during lunchtime, he would see Jeffrey shape his food and ketchup to look like limbs, like severed limbs and he would show it around to prison inmates. I mean, I don't know if this is true. Okay, I have no idea if this is true. And he hated him. He just thought that was disgusting. Like, what's wrong with you? And for some reason, Christopher said he always carried around a piece of paper, like a newspaper clipping of everything Jeffrey Dahmer had done, like one of like the initial newspapers. And so that day, for some reason, Christopher feels like it was a setup. Like the prison guards hated Jeffrey Dahmer, and magically, the dude who also hates Jeffrey Dahmer, the prison inmate who hates them is just alone in the bathroom with him for 20 minutes really like really so So he said
0: people are saying jeffrey was murdered in jail
1: Oh, my God. He was saying that say the guards wanted Jeffrey Dahmer. G- uh, well, he didn't really say that. He was too scared to scare that because he wanted to be removed to like a federal facility. Right. But anyways, he said that he got poked. So that triggered him. And then he was like, you know what? Fucking Jeffrey. I've been wanting to have a word with you. I've been waiting for this conversation. And you just poked me. So, uh. Look at this newspaper clipping. Like, is this true? Like, you fucking did all of this? Like, this is not some weird legal shit that went down? Mm-hmm. And he said that Jeffrey looked at him, kind of shocked, and just said, yeah, it's all true. Mm-hmm. And he just beat the shit out of both of them with the metal bar. That's. I mean, this one is a little bit strange, so it gets really murky. At one point, like a couple years right after it happened, he had said it had to do with the fact that Jesse Anderson and Jeffrey Dahmer had like, discriminated against a different race. And then he said, no, I didn't say that. So, like, all these articles I read, they all just kind of, like, said wishy-washy things. So Mm -hmm. it went from, like, he kind of recanted things. So at first he was like, no, it was all because they poked me. And then he was like, it was about race. And then it was like, oh, no, like, I think it was a setup. I was just disgusted by him, right? So it just kind of has, like, this murky waters. Mm -hmm. But eventually he ended up getting two more life sentences to his already life sentence, So technically, I guess nothing more. I see. And a lot of people in Wisconsin were like, "Hey, um, just remember, like, don't glorify Christopher Scarver because yes, he did do some vigilante justice, but he is not Robin Hood. Okay, (laughs) he killed some people, so let's calm it down." (laughs) But yeah, at one point he had like a mini fan club of like, "Yes, we're so happy." Yeah. Very confusing. Now, the aftermath of this is that Lionel, the new wife, his dad, Jeffrey Dahmer's dad, Jeffrey Dahmer's stepmom and the mom, Joyce, they all still maintained a really good relationship with Jeffrey and um, Joyce, the mom, she ended up dying in 2000 of cancer. She had actually tried to commit suicide one more time before she ended up dying in 2000. And Lionel wrote a book called A Father's Story. Yeah, and he donated a portion of the proceeds to the victims' families. But uh, most of the families supported it. Because I think when you have victims like this, I mean... I don't know what I would say but I don't think I could blame other family members you know for one person's actions especially when they're overage, right especially if they there's no evidence of abuse maybe it's a different story if like the dad sexually abused him and then he turned into this monster you yeah. know but it seems like the dad was just in a hard spot too right so most of the families did support the book but three of the families sued Lionel um, two of them sued them for using their names inside the book without their consent mm-hmm. and the other family sued them for Wrongful death Saying that Hey You know This was wrongful death Of our family member Because you neglected Your family member Mm -hmm. I don't think that That would work I don't know if they settled Mm -hmm. Right So Joyce passed David His younger brother Uh Um, He ended up Changing his name He graduated He got a nice job And he's just kind of Trying to lay it low Like living his life In an Like anonymity anonymously like just not trying to be in headlines is you
0: know? he still alive
1: yeah like not trying to do interviews so it seems like you know lionel and joyce did some interviews yeah i mean i think david's just trying to like live his life you
0: know yeah, can you imagine being associated with that
1: yeah i mean it's crazy because lionel didn't change his last name he kept his last name and he said yeah. he's not ashamed to be a Dahmer. but like not in the sense of like he supports his son's you know activities yeah. but Not activities, but murder. And the apartment building that all of these murders took place, well, most of the murders was torn down completely in Wisconsin. Because I just can't imagine. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this case?
0: Just nasty.
1: Is it what you expected? Because, I mean, you're coming from the perspective of you didn't know a lot about Jeffrey Dahmer. And you do know his name. I mean, I've said his name so many times. Yeah, yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. He's <laughs> just like one, one of those nasty ones. I guess like uh, after a while, they all turn into that. You start eating dead people. You start having sex mm-hmm. with dead people.
1: Do you think there's like stuff that happens in your brain even after What do you mean? Because I think there's like two perspectives of looking at it. The first perspective is they were born this way or they were made this way and Mm -hmm. this is who they became, right? Mm -hmm. But what if it's like after every murder, there's stuff that keeps changing in their brain. Oh yeah, for sure. And then it just like worsens and worsens. Oh, absolutely. And like, it's less of like them becoming their true selves versus some shit's going on in their brain. Like some brain chemistry is fucking up here. I'm sure the eating really forks it up. Because you're literally ingesting. It's not even psychological at that point. It's literally ingesting. I just don't
0: know where that thought comes from. Like, as you're killing someone, you're like, let me just put this in my mouth and see what (laughs) happens. Like, you know what I mean? But they all do it.
1: They all do it. They
0: all fucking do it. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, I feel like when we first started this podcast, we're like, today's a novel treat. We're talking about cannibalism. Now we're like, they're all fucking cannibals. Okay, hide your feet.
0: This one's favorite is the heart. Yeah. The other one is the fucking, what is it? The
1: hands. Oh, the lips. He likes to barbecue the hands. Watch out. Hide your meat. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. And I hope you guys enjoyed today's video. And I'll see you guys next week.
0: Bye. (laughs)